You're listening to the Five Questions Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Shawbell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is Holocaust survivor and author Dr. Edith Eager. At 93 years old, Edith is one of the very few remaining Holocaust survivors old enough to remember life at the concentration camps. Now, as a clinical psychologist, she's processed her life trauma and shows us all how to stop being victims in our own lives in her new book, The Gift. I've compiled questions from my Jewish friends to ask Edith for this very special podcast episode. My first friend, Jen Sutton, asked a question. She goes, a recent study found that 23% of young Americans believe the Holocaust is a myth or the death toll is exaggerated and 11% think Jewish people caused the Holocaust. What is the best way to teach forthcoming generations about the Holocaust in order to change these numbers? I think young people have the right to question authority. I would really listen very compassionately and not to deny any, anything of what they uh, tell you. And so they know that you're not there to really do anything other than letting them know what you know. Because you see, it's all subjective. It's my truth and your truth. You don't want to deny their truth. If they tell you that the Holocaust didn't exist, I don't think uh, you want to say, yes, I know, because I know Dr. Eager and she was in, it doesn't help you. But what does help you is for them to go to the German consulate, possibly in a big city like Washington, and just send them to the people who supposedly, hopefully, will let you know that there was such a thing as, uh, unfortunately, a lie. And then people believe it, and Jews were cancer to society. Because what happens that Germany didn't win World War I. And when a country is suffering economically, they're going to find a scapegoat and direct the attention elsewhere. You know, uh, Ayatollah did that. You know, it's let's go kill Carter and so on. It's a trick that they, they really are not uh, facing what is really going on in the present. So our biggest enemy is ignorance. And I think I would really listen to young people and I would embrace the young people and I would uh, thank them for even being interested in history and what happens when good people do bad things. We're not born bad and evil. No, we're born with love and joy and passion and all those good things. And young people are the future. I call them the ambassadors for peace and goodwill. I'm very interested in the young people and I want to be a good role model to them. That was beautifully said. And I agree with that approach. And I think the best way of handling all this ignorance that we're seeing and this division we have is education. Like you said, go educate yourself. I also want to let you know that you cannot teach anyone anything unless they have the desire to learn. See, you got to create that environment, that curiosity, you know, that curiosity that helped me in Auschwitz not to give up ever, because then I don't find out what's going to happen next. 
And the next question comes from J.R. Rothstein, who asks, what obligation do young Jews have in preserving Jewish culture, heritage, and history in light of the Holocaust? I, I ask people not to overdo anything. Sometimes young people tell me they don't want to be Jews anymore because all they hear is the Holocaust. I think it's very important for us, before we say anything, to ask ourselves, is it kind? Is it very, very important? We need to meet people where they are and treat them as if they were what they're capable of becoming. I am very invested in our young, and I hope that uh, they hear me now that when they're going to be 93 years old, uh, they're not going to have time to hate, that they're going to practice passion and love. And uh, that doesn't mean that you are not realistic, but don't be idealistic, because if you're picturing a world of love and joy, then you may not be very realistic, because I think we build with the ability to acknowledge that there is no love without hate. There is no life without death. Speaking of passing down knowledge to future generations, Katie Sanders asks, what's something you've learned in your life that you've passed down to these generations? What I learned in Auschwitz, to be able to find everything inside you. I had a ballet master, a beautiful man, who picked me up when I was a little girl and told me that life is about finding ecstasy inside you. And I had no idea what that word meant. Auschwitz was an opportunity for me to create a world inside me at night that I was able to somehow uh, become the person who will let people know what happens when people are, are doing bad things. And so I think it's important for me to let people know that what you find within you under those opportunities is happening now because we were not prepared for this and we are locked in and we are unhappy, but that's not the best thing we can do. I think it is an opportunity for an opportunity to discover your inner strength, to be able to respond in a way that you may be able to do something today that you have previously avoided. And kind of connecting to what you've said so far, Sasha Kopp asks, how have you coped with uncertainty amidst our current societal issues? And what advice do you have for others who are overwhelmed right now? I don't think that being overwhelmed is going to give you a good way to move towards a goal. In Auschwitz, we had to move beyond the me, me, me. And perhaps right now, we want to not concentrate on what is for me, it's what's best for the country. It's how we can form a human family, how we can cooperate rather than compete or dominate. I think we're facing a decision, what we're holding on to and what are willing to let go on. Willing is a very good word. You got to be willing to be willing to switch gears in a car to change that is synonymous with growth. If you don't change, you don't grow, you're dead, you're just not buried. So I think I like change, but it is scary because we have the fear of the unknown. So in psychology, we call it approach avoidance conflict. I tell you, come close, go away. You see, I want you, but I'm also afraid of change. This is a very trying times that you can give birth 
to the you is whatever you practice, you're going to be better at it, that you can be a survivor and never a victim because there is no victim without a victimizer. I'll do anything to see to it that young people will never say, why me, but what now? And I'm counting on the young people and I'm doing everything in my power that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, I have seven of those, will never experience what I did. To be for something rather than, I don't want that, I don't like that. Instead, you say, yes, I am, yes, I can, yes, I will. That's your mantra, that you're not revolving, but evolving. That positive mindset is so important. Being optimistic, especially in these dark times, you just have to do it. I think that's great advice. And speaking of advice, my last question is, what is your best piece of career advice? I ask people to take stock of themselves and ask themselves, what am I doing now? And how is it working for me? Because if you just make money, you're not really going to do your life's work. In a job, you want to make as much money as you can with as least amount of work that you can. I ask you, find your life's work, it's your calling, and then you can't wait every morning to be able to practice, to be able to really feel that you are chosen to do uniquely as you can, that because there'll never be another you. So give birth to the you that was meant to be, to be free. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Edith. To follow her journey, you can read The Gift and find her on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook where she shares stories, announcements, tributes, her travels, and appearances. 